Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Um, I guess our official name is Rainbow Weekly Podcast, or we could call it the Craig and Tony Show. Uh, the Double Weekly Podcast. The Double Weekly Podcast. No, actually, um, we got a, a great program today. Um, do want to let you know now we are on SoundCloud. Um, we're also on Amazon. Amazon Audible, I guess that's what they call it. And then I think we're something called Gama, which is India's number one podcast. We are number provider. one in India, people. No, we're not number oh, one. Oh, we're not number one. We're not number one. <laughs> it's the number one podcast. We're on um, the number one network. Platform. The platform, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um hello India. Um, you know, welcome to the podcast. All right. So um yeah, we're we're trying to find new places. And so if there's a place that you listen to a podcast, let us know and we'll try to get on that network as well. Well, um, how you doing today, Tony? I'm doing good. Enjoying doing. The, the snow. We got snow in. Yeah, in we had some, some snow. As we're recording this, this program, actually over the weekend, we, we had some snow. Actually, the biggest snowfall in Oklahoma in seven years. Seven years. Seven years. We had over five inches. So yeah. some of you up north, you know, I, I know that five inches is no big deal. But yeah, but that's uh, – we had, we – so seven is like a biblical number. So we had snow of biblical proportions. Uh, biblical snow. Yeah, in 2020. <laughs> in 2020. Yeah. Walk well, a cap off a year. Yeah, they're, and they're calling for snow today. Yeah, snow today. Yeah. yeah. Um, you think it's going to snow today? Yeah, my money's not on much. <laughs> I got in trouble, you know, this weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, because, because yeah. see, here, here in Oklahoma, we don't believe our, our weathermen. So whenever they say it's going to snow, then it doesn't snow. If if they were Old Testament prophets, we'd already stoned them all. <laughs> yeah, usually what happens, we get snow whenever they say, oh, it probably won't snow, and then yeah. that's whenever it snows. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're downplaying this afternoon, so we yeah, better watch so, out. <laughs> yeah, so um, I told my wife that it was fake news, it wasn't going to snow. Yeah, she shamed you on social media. Yeah, I know. I mean, she, she made me look bad. <laughs> I blamed it on Joe Biden. Joe Biden, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know I said, I don't want to talk about him. Yeah. <laughs> The fake news stuff going news, on. Yeah. So anyway, we got a great program today. We have missionary Vidar Lagarde, and he's from Rama, Kenya. So Vidar, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me in. Yeah. Now Vidar, I've, I've known you for a long time. Um, you know, but I just want to. I've actually really never heard how you got to Rama. I mean, you know, I've, I've. I mean, I just always knew you were here. Obviously. Vidar is not an English name, you know, um, it's Norwegian for some of you guys that don't know him. Um, And so, Vidar, how did you get to Rama, and and how did Rama become a part of your life? Yeah, sure. Well, the short story is, you know, I I took the plane just like most other people that came across the ocean. (laughs) You you didn't take the boat? (laughs) Yeah, I did not take the boat. That that was uh, years ago. But now... Actually, grew up uh, over in Norway, uh, third-generation Pentecostal, all, all my grandparents on both sides of the family, uh, all Pentecostal. And then my dad worked for um, the largest charismatic ministry in the country at the time, and um, Brother Hagen's books were translated into Norwegian language in 78, 79, 80, th- there somewhere. And so I'm uh, a little bit later than, you know, six, seven, eight years old, just learning how to read. And one of the very first books I ever picked up was I Believe in Visions. Mm. Wow. And uh, fascinated by the stories and a lot of deacons, a lot of bivocational pastors and so forth in, in the family. So, you know, I'd, I'd heard a lot of the minister's conversations behind, you know, in, in the green room and so forth. But um, when I read that book, 
I remember the sentence in there where I haven't had a headache since 1933, and, mm -hmm. and, and it's like it just popped out because, you know, grown up Pentecostal and heard of people getting healed, seen some of it, and um, but it always seemed to be a hit and miss. You know, some people got healed, some some people didn't. We, we don't know why. But when I read that, I, I quickly realized that I'm reading after somebody who understands a little bit more than the people I've been hanging around. Mm. And so ever since that day, um, I had a very keen interest in Tulsa all, all through my childhood years, all, all through my teen years. Very interested in Tulsa. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of other ministries, and it seems like everybody in the charismatic world, they got roots back to Tulsa somewhere. <laughs> so always yeah, wanted to come to Tulsa. We're living on Tulsa time. Yeah, yeah Tulsa, right. Jerusalem, the holy yeah. city. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um yeah, so in, I think it was in eighth or ninth grade, um, there was a foreign exchange program that came to school, and so I signed up, um, wanted to go to, to America for, for two reasons. One one was Tulsa and the ministries here, and Rama, of course, is, is, is one of those, and keenly interested in Brother Hagen's ministry at the time. And then secondly, I'm growing up in a socialist country where, you know, you're not really applauded if you do something great in life. Mm -hmm. You know, an accomplishment is... Uh, well, who do you think you are? You know, that's kind of the thank you you get for doing something. And so I knew there was a better way, and, and I knew America knew better than that. So those were really the two reasons why I was really, really interested in finding a plane that would go across the across <laughs> the ocean. Was it your own plane? <laughs> it wasn't my own plane. <laughs> so, so, so you got here to America, um, or to Tulsa, Tulsa, Jerusalem. Tulsa, Jerusalem. Yeah. As TMAC calls it. Um, so, so where, where did you go to school um, whenever you, you arrived here? Yeah, so I actually signed up with this foreign exchange program, and they had nothing in Tulsa. So I said, well, I guess I can't go with you. So I actually wrote a letter to Victory Christian School because I knew of that school, and, and I wrote, and um, they found me a host family. Um, so I was actually at, at, at Victory in my first year in Tulsa, uh, going to high school there, and I think I ran around all over the city going to as many meetings as I possibly could, listening to everybody that I'd heard about all my life. So how old were you at this time? I was 15, 15. when I came. Yeah, okay. so I left, I left home. I was 15 and a half. Um, and so what, what year was it in school? Was it your, your junior year? Your uh, this was year? my junior year in, in high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I played soccer and, you know, tried to, tried to learn how to talk because, you know, Oxford English, how do you do? You just, it doesn't cut it in Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm, I'm still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you know English? I mean, I mean, I don't, I mean. I thought I knew English. I, I had four years of school English, okay. which school English is, is book English and it's non-conversational. And so conversations were really, really difficult, especially the first six months. Um, I did fine in school. As long as the teacher was writing something on the board and there was textbooks to go with it, uh, I did fine. So I was making good grades. I just couldn't carry a conversation. It was mm. interesting. Well, now, I know a lot of people um, can understand, but like I said, communicating was is pretty hard. Yeah, and, you know, teenage friends, you know, they'd ask me a question, and I'd have to translate the question into Norwegian and take the answer and translate back to English. Well, by the time I've done that, they asked me two more questions and walked <laughs> off, you know. <laughs> It was a lot different back then. We, we didn't have our, our phones that can just translate in, yeah. in a second or whatever. Google Translate. Yeah. And then, you know, perfectionists. I had to get the language exactly perfect before you dare say a sentence, you know. So it was, it was slow going. It was a rough six months. Very exciting but challenging and difficult mm. at the same time. But 
never regretted that decision to to come to Tulsa. And um, of course, once I finished high school, then then I came over to Raymond, studied at Raymond. So um, you actually brought your parents over here too. I mean, not not physically brought them over here, but but they came because of you. Your influence. Yeah, I I don't know all the reasons. You know, I have to ask them, I guess. But uh, I'm sure that was part of it because I I came a year ahead of them, and once once I moved, I remember. I got a letter from them, I think, in March of that year or something, and they said, hey, guess what? We're The whole family's moving over. And so that was a good day when I got that letter. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that made things a lot easier because I'm sure it's tough coming over as a you know, high school junior and, and senior being away from your family. I mean, you, I'm, I'm, I'm sure at that time you really hadn't been away from your family for, for a long point of time, and so I'm sure that was made life a, a lot easier with your family there. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, first first few months, you got cultural barriers and language barriers and, you know, an environment where you don't have friends and all that. So, but, you know, I had a passion and so that helped help you overcome. Yeah. So now after you graduated from Rainbow, what what, what was next in your life? Well, I went through, uh, got my bachelor's and my master's um, at Oral Roberts, still in Tulsa. Um, and so I did undergraduate engineering. Um, then you have an MBA, correct? MBA, yes, yeah. master's in business. Yeah, that's correct. Because but Bedard's one of the smartest guys I know, just by the way. He's definitely the smartest man in the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I did do some studies after, after I went through Raymond as well. I, I knew it was going to be involved in leadership and so i ended up going with the masters in business so that we could get involved with some of those areas as well and, and you know some people don't understand that to operate a ministry is also operating a business i mean you have to have business principles um you know like any other business well absolutely i mean you know your your books has got to have to balance and you're you're dealing with people and management and uh You've got to think about how to get the word out there. So that's called marketing in the business mm, world. Yep. You know, so it's all those components. They they definitely play into running a ministry. Now, obviously, um, I do know you know quite a bit about computers as well. Um, for some of you who don't know, a but, little bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Now, um, after you graduated from ORU, did you do something else before you came to, back to Rama to be our IT guy here at Rama? Yeah, so during uh, ORU, we did some some research with NASA. So I was actually involved in some some rocket research there, uh, going through school. So I told some... you he was pretty smart. Yeah. Rocket research. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I I really did have some really phenomenal opportunities after school. Um, then I worked uh, for a company called Arm. Arm is basically the it's the Intel of the cell phone embedded world. They have ninety percent of the market share of whether well, you have an iPhone or a Samsung, it really doesn't matter. It's the same brain inside. Um, so we worked on developing some of these brains. Actually, in the year 2000, we talked about a lot of the technology that was in the iPhone. So when the iPhone came out in, I forget, 2007, 2008, I went, uh, well, what took him so long? Because this <laughs> stuff was on the drawing board in the year 2000. I was there and involved in some of it. But um, So I had that opportunity, um, worked some in uh, defense and aerospace, so... That was, that was fun. But I, I still, I had a strong desire in my heart to, for ministry, and so that's that. I think I went back to second year of Rama because I, I went one year of Rama, then went through all my um, or Roberts University MBA and all that. Came back to second year of Rama, and that's when I came on staff with IT at Rama Bible Church. Okay. Yeah, and for you know, 
Fadar just put us a step forward with our, our whole IT area. And in fact, um, we were one of the f- first ministries in the United States that actually started text to give. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, we we brought that company in and got that set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. and, and you know that has been a blessing during 2020. You better I mean, believe you know, it. You know, thank God that, that and we have been doing text to give for years before that. And actually, it's probably the most common way people here at Rainbow Bible Church actually give their tithes and offerings. Yeah. And um, but in 2020, it made it a whole lot easier. You know, when we're not passing the buckets, whenever you're having church at home during all that time, you know, because of text to give. And so, so you know, kudos to Vidar for, for helping us yeah. find the Norwegian company, right? Yeah, it was. Norwegian yeah, it was, it was. Um, they you know, had it working over there a couple of years before we brought it over here, I think. Uh, actually, let's give a shot. What, what is the name of the company for some of you, some of those people that might own? Mobile Accept. Mobile Accept yes. is that company, yes. But I can't remember. <laughs> Mobile yeah. Accept. Well, yeah. we've we've recommended and, and, it quite a bit through my it's, office it's this year. It's spelled A X X. Yeah, I need um, to book it. It is E P T. Yeah, it's, it's um Mobile Accept, and so um yeah that's that's what our online giving um actually our text to give platform, and so if any of you guys are interested in, and Vidar was very instrumental in in bringing that um to light. So um. Here you are. You're, you're you're the IT guy at Rain. I'm sure you had a, a more a better title than that, but, but some, you know, some fancy title. Some sure. fancy title, but <laughs> yeah. we called you Vidar the IT guy. <laughs> so that's um, you know, um, you're over the IT. You know, and 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 obviously, what people don't understand that, um, you working here at Rama is is very important. If we don't have a an IT department, we're not able to produce books and tapes and and CDs and DVDs, and, and even if we do, we can't talk to you. We can't communicate with you. I mean, I mean, we, we depend on IT on a daily basis. Sure. And, and, and I, one thing that um, Vidar was also really good about letting us know is that, that we also need some other quality IT people that work with them because he can't do it all himself. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough to send those magazines out to hundreds of thousands of people if you don't have a database to send them to. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and and we've actually gone through a lot of database transition here at the ministry. Um, sorry for some of you that got got fourteen word of faith. <laughs> Hopefully, didn't get fourteen, but we had a number of people who got five or six at a certain address. But uh, since we were talking about it a moment ago, maybe you're a, a minister out there listening to this and are interested in. A good text to give platform, and they also offer some um, web-based giving. the The website is uh, Mobile Accept. It's one X A X E P T dot com. Mobile Accept dot com, and that's the platform that Fadar uh, got us hooked up with years ago here at Raymond. Kind of pioneered the text to give arena, and uh, we recommend that here. So here you are. You're you're the IT guy. You're from Norway. How did Kenya come in the picture? You know, because you know it is really interesting. It's like, yeah, um, Vidar, he's from Norway, but but he runs Rain Kenya, so it's kind of an interesting yeah marriage. That's, that, that's it's a good question, and actually, you have to go back to before I came to Tulsa in the first place. Um, I was I was young, but I remember hearing the story of uh, Reinhard Bonnke, mm. and this was back when he had I think had just gotten that thirty seater. 30,000-seater tent. It was the world's largest tent right around the time when he started becoming 
well-known in Europe. I don't know that he really was well-known in, in America yet. But I heard about him and started asking some questions. And I remember ever since that day, I heard about his ministry there in, in Southern Africa at the time. Um, Africa had just been burning in my heart. So I knew from really early childhood that I had a call to, to Africa. And uh, coming to Tulsa to me was, was just an opportunity to get training so that we could eventually go to Africa. Right. So it was kind of part of the plan the whole, the whole way. So you'd carried that on the inside for a long time. And so NASA and all this cool stuff you were doing just continually left you unfulfilled. Yeah, and, and even, you know, one of the great job opportunities I had, I remember going back to him and negotiating into the contract that I would have, I forget, five weeks a year I could travel to Africa or something like that. And eventually ended up coming, becoming, doing IT here at uh, Rama, but I negotiated that into contract because you know I really wanted to do something in Africa. Right. I just didn't know exactly what it was going to look like at the time. You know, and that, that brings up a really good point. You know, maybe there's someone out there listening, and maybe you're working a great job, but you're just not fulfilled in life. Yeah. You know, because you don't feel that you're doing what God has called you to do. I just want to encourage you to check out rbtc.org, rbtc.org, and check out Rama. You know, because. I tell you, even if you don't feel called to the ministry, just to come for, for two years, just, just to, to learn more about the Word of God will be so beneficial, you know. And, you know, maybe you don't know why you don't feel satisfied. Um, but you know what? Come check out Rama, you know, you know, because I believe we all have a plan of purpose in life. And no matter how much money you make, if you don't fulfill that plan of purpose, you, you, don't, have, you, don't, you don't feel right on the inside. Be miserable. Or just like my grandfather used to say, you know, taking a bath with your socks taking on. Taking a shower with your socks taking on. Taking a shower with your socks on, which no one's done. Well, probably Tony's done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. The, the school is sure there's training of ministry going on here, you know, in the pulpit, behind the scenes. But I don't know how many business people I've talked to that have gone through the school and, and the yeah. school, you know, just – just knowing how to hear the voice of God, it's it doesn't matter where you are in life. It's it's applicable. It's valuable too. Absolutely, yeah. it's one of the most important lessons somebody can learn. You know how how to hear God's plan for your own life and be able to follow that on a day to day basis. Yeah. So you know, like 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 Vidar said, I, I know whenever he worked here, he always would take time to go to Africa. So how did you end up picking Kenya? Did you go to other African countries, or you know, just you always Kenya kind of just um, no, Kenya kind of developed. Uh, it was actually my first opportunity to, to go to Africa. I think I was, I don't know, seven, no, 18, 19, something, something like that. But my first opportunity going traveling to Africa was in Kenya. And uh, so I started having some contacts there and kept going back. And so this, you know, we didn't just start Rama Kenya overnight. It was something that developed over years, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, my first time in Africa was in 1999. I was there for a month. And um, I know a lot of people traveled over and they wanted to try to get as much ministry done as possible when they went. But I knew we were going to work in Africa long term. So I was there much more for the purpose of observing, seeing what the life for, for locals was like, seeing what kind of ministry was done already, observing what other missionaries were doing and kind of seeing what the needs were. And so it was much more of a exploratory kind of a trip for me 
did a little bit of ministry, but that really wasn't the focus of that trip. So, so Ray McKinnon, how long has that been in operation now? Well, we opened in uh, 2006. It wasn't officially a Rama school to begin with, um, but in 2006 we, we started. What actually happened was um, we started having some teaching seminars, just, you know, one-week teaching in a church. Um, but Because you're just taking trips at this I, point. Yeah, at this point, I'm, I think I was working here at the ministry. I'm just taking trips. I'm going over once a year, maybe twice a year, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, my wife and I, we would go over. I would go some by myself. Um, she was still in school, I think, at the time. Um, and so we would we would teach in churches, um, help them understand the message, help them learn, you know, about healing and how to believe God and God's plan for your life and all kinds of different subjects. But um, I realized that that's a tall order if you're going to, minister in churches like this there's so many churches out there and so many that didn't know or understand and so quickly realized it's it's more effective to train leaders and then have the leaders train the people of their churches plus if you're in a church ministering and and you don't really have your main leader on board and it won't take them long to undo what you just did so it's it's more effective to work with with leaders that are you know work alongside with leaders so we moved into leadership seminars is what we did um, in, in rural areas. But one week in a leadership seminar, great. But I realized these pastors, they, they really need a full curriculum from A to Z, uh, so to speak. And so from there, um, started praying, Lord, we need somebody here because the people, the pastors didn't have opportunities for training, especially out in rural areas and even towns. And, you know, once you start your church, it's it's difficult to leave the church for two years to go to a Bible college somewhere. And the majority of churches in the country had pastors that didn't have any training. So we came up with something that would um, be able to train these pastors while they were still pastoring. And so in 2006, then, is when we opened the Bible school. And so you opened in 2006. And so what year did we actually become a Rhema school? I think that was in 2011. So we would have been in existence five years when then became... Arama School. So now, how many schools do you have um, now in Kenya? Well, this campuses, this year we were supposed to open campus number nine uh, in March, and of course, March changed a lot of our plans on us. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's where we are. We're at eight campuses and working at number nine. Now, now we do have a number of listeners that listen all over the world. So, if someone would like to go to Rama, Kenya, maybe they're they're in Kenya, know someone who's in Kenya. How do they do that? How do they? The easiest way to do it is go to RaymaKenya.org. All right. Um, and if somebody's in a different nation, just contact us, and we'll we'll connect you with the school in the nation where you are if you're in India. RBTC.org is the website for, for the school in the U.S. Um, just connect there as well, and we can help, or the school here in the U.S. can help direct you to the to the correct country where that's closest now, to you. And so... Um, you actually, um, actually, on Thanksgiving, I, I get a text from Vidar and, um, you know, just talking about things. And, and so, you, you told me that we've operate, we've opened some churches in Kenya during the middle of a pandemic. Yes, we and, have. And you were thankful for that. So tell us about about that because you know twenty twenty has been a kind of a crummy year for a lot of people. <laughs> sure, um, actually. Uh- Early on in March, I'm asking the Lord about this, and um, I'm reading the story of Isaac back in um, Genesis. Mm-hmm. 
about how he sowed in the era of famine. I was looking for biblical stories of with similarities to what we're going through. So looking at different stories of hardship. And so I look at the story of Isaac and you know, I've, I've heard it preached many times, and typically it's, you know, during the offertory or something, you hear about Isaac sowing. And I start asking questions, what, what's the background? What's actually happening here? And it dawned on me that Isaac did not give to Melchizedek. He didn't give to the priest. Actually, he didn't give to the work of God. In that particular story, he mm-hmm. didn't. He sowed into his own land. And I realized in today's language, we call that investing into your own business. Uh, during during a year of hardship, and so we've we've spent a lot of time this year um, encouraging people not to draw back when you tend to be afraid, but people of faith they always step forward instead of drawing back yeah. and getting that message across and telling people you know look for opportunities and engage in opportunities put your hand to do something, and so we've seen a lot of businesses spawn this year startups and a lot of people really have ended up being in better situations after they took the opportunities that maybe have been there for a long time, but you've been semi-comfortable or the pain hasn't been big enough where you are, so you just keep going down the same road you're going. And so this year, then you know maybe the pain is big enough, you start looking for some other opportunities, and then with us then helping to encourage to find opportunities. So we've seen lots of businesses started, um, and that helps in a lot of different areas. And we've seen a number of churches start as well, because um, why not? I never saw we're going to all the world with a list of these exceptions. I never saw a list of exceptions. Di- in disclaimers. Yeah. No, they're you know, you don't you don't look for Hilton to show up and make sure everything is comfortable before you share the word of God someplace. If the place is dark, you turn on the light first, and then yeah. everybody else starts getting interested. That's yeah. what we've done some work. Now, Vidar, I know besides training ministers, you guys train other people and in, in, in in, you know, teach business. Talk about a little bit about, about that. Talk about also, didn't you train some police officers or something like that? Um, yeah, we have yeah. trained um, school teachers, uh, military officers, police officers, government officials. Um, in fact, um, one of the heads of the Kenyan intelligence working there on the border between Kenya and Somalia is one of our graduates. So we've got people in all kinds of walks of life, entrepreneurs, business people, and and of course, a lot of ministers, evangelists, pastors, all of it. But uh, we truly believe that the gospel, um, when taught properly, we call it the full gospel, meaning you believe in healing. But I believe full gospel is more than just believing in healing. It's, It's going into every arena of life the yeah. gospel should impact a government it should impact the school system it should impact businesses it should impact your it should impact everything Absolutely. in a society and so we 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 train with that perspective in mind and uh, try to instill that perspective into students as well now i, I know you 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 have the um teach someone how to fish philosophy instead of just giving them a fish because you know over in africa a lot of people just want to hand out you know whatever you know, whether it's food, whether it's clothing or, or what, and, you know, and, and they be, become dependent uh, upon, upon organizations, but, but you've trained, you know, and, and not, not just in ministry, but like I said, you've had a lot of businesses started, you know, from Ray McGrath's and, and other people, because, you know, as a former rocket scientist <laughs> or whatever you are, you know, um, c- computer guru, um, you know, you've been able to teach your business skills 
as well to to help these people better themselves. Yeah, and and it's unfortunate, but a very large portion of of um, missions work that is done it it feeds the handout mentality. It it creates dependency more than liberate people mm-hmm. from the poverty situations that they're in. If you, you know, see, if you go into a situation and and you look. Your natural instinct at first is, oh, they don't have shoes. Let's put some shoes on their feet. But when you do that, that's that's wonderful. You can keep their feet warm for about three months until they're looking for somebody else to give them another pair of shoes. Right. That's typically what happens. And they go, oh, somebody can give me something. And now you're looking for a coat and you're looking for all kinds of external aid to when, when the problem really is um, start developing something from, from where you are. Uh, any entrepreneur in life will tell you that, you have to start where you are. You, you can't start uh, on the top rung of a ladder. You've got to climb the rungs one by one. But when you do that and you give an example for your kids, and so you really affect generations and neighbors. We, you know, we see a lot of missions work that go in and um, maybe you start a fish farm. Wonderful. You provide employment for about 20 people. Um, the neighbor guy who's got a farm, he's going to be looking for some other missionary to start him a fish farm because you give people employment, but you don't train entrepreneurship mindset. Mm-hmm. And so now they're just looking for somebody to come in from the outside to be the entrepreneur to provide employment for us, which is it's better than nothing. But there is a better way than that. And that is you've got to get people to create something from where they are. You've got human lives as resources, um, resources in the earth. Every country on earth has got resources. So, you know, we didn't build Oklahoma with resources from New York. We just came with a shovel and started digging, and that's, that was the water well. Yep. It wasn't a drilling rig that came out from New York City or wherever people came from. It was just, but it was people had within them to start where we are and be go-getters and be producers in society. And when the majority of people have the mindset of being a producer in society, then you've got a growing society. And that's not socialism. That is not socialism. That's right. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> now, um, just to let, let our listeners know, now, you not only train people in, in the major cities, but also in the middle of nowhere as, as well. I mean, you know, and, yeah. and, and the highways there, you know, not in the major cities, but to get to some of these places, it's not an easy easy route. I mean, easy route just to get there, right? Yeah, we've, we've got some places that are, I mean, we've got a campus on the border between Somalia and Kenya. It's not necessarily a easy place to to work um infrastructure roads and security there's a whole list of challenges and then of course you know you you look at poverty and um how do you get people out of out of the situation well training in the word of god the gospel brings the light yeah. and when properly taught uh, the gospel and it it produces change it, it raises people absolutely so but we've got like you say we've we've got the spread we we have very very rural areas where we have campuses we we have villages towns and then we have nairobi which is kind of the manhattan of of, of africa um in many re- regards i mean out of all the cities here in the united states Man- lower manhattan really is the place that reminds me the most of nairobi wow and so it's um i mean we're we're in a building there right next to oracle price of waterhouse cooper all these different international companies we're right there in the business district in a beautiful beautiful glass building overseeing the skyline of nairobi so very different from the remote campuses that we have wow so you you cover the gamut you know you know w- with training you know men and women from from the 
from the modern cities to, to the to the bush, we call it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're in campus in Nairobi. We got students showing up in Mercedes and Land Cruisers and, and everything else. And then we got people that, you know, in some other campuses, they might have walked for two hours to get to school that day. It's mm. just now, different. Now, I think one thing that's also most surprising that, that I've talked to you about is that people in, in the middle of the bush country or whatever, they actually have cell phones, um, which is kind of, you know, my, my, my blows my mind, you know, how how they have a cell phone in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Actually, the cell phone reception over there is is a lot better than rural America. <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty wild. Yeah. So, so you know, so you could be in the middle of a, a mud hut in Kenya and listening to the podcast. Yeah, get better cell reception be- than Willacoochee. Yeah, <laughs> probably yeah. so. You can. In fact, you know, Tony, I just we just found out we now have a new email for the podcast. Uh, it's podcast at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot org. So, you know, if, if you want to to let us know how you like the podcast or or you want to let us may, maybe talk to us about what you would like to hear about, you know, email us at podcast at rhema.org. And if you happen to listen to in a, in a mud hut, in you know, in the middle of Africa, email us and tell us how much you enjoy our podcast and how you actually do have a smartphone over there in africa yeah let us know where you're listening from yeah it's, yeah. it's pretty cool to kind of know you know who's listening where you're listening from now um vidara um i know a, a number of listeners would like to support your ministry and what you're doing in africa so tell us your website well uh safari mission is the name of the ministry um yeah. registered in europe in africa and and in america safari org is a place that you can hop on and you can see more of the things that we're doing and get involved if you're interested in getting involved yeah and you know and one thing that, that we're also recommending for safari missions.org is, is it mission or missions with an s mission or? singular okay, safari singular. mission all right org. is a number of countries now um, you know because a n- number of companies do a give back type thing you know whenever you, you purchase something that they, they give back to to an organization and um, a number of companies now are giving back to your organization and so how's that working out? And t- tell, us, tell us about that. Yeah, sure. You know, today's consumers, they, they like to do business with companies that are involved with more than just making money for themselves. And so we have a program that helps business owners um, in them getting involved with community development, getting involved with missions. And then we help them communicate to their to their customers through their website or their marketing, print pieces, sales, sales materials, how that this particular business is involved with community development, involved with Safari Mission. And we can go in, you know, Monday morning meeting and meet with their employees to help them understand. Um, because research shows that employees are so much more likely to enjoy going to work when they know they're working for a company that's involved in more than just making money for the owner of the company. And so we help businesses um, set this up. So, you know, uh, I, I just want to encourage our listeners to um, support Vidar and Catherine and, and what they're doing in, in Kenya, safarimission.org. And if you happen to be a business owner and you maybe you, you've thought about giving back um, to an organization that, that is helping people around the world. And, you know, a lot of people like to know that they're helping someone in Africa. Um, you know, it's kind of a hot thing, you know, and because and, there are a lot of people in Africa that are starving and, and a lot of people in Africa that, that need to learn how to fish. And safarimission.org would be a great place to, to, to send your money. And, of course, if you feel that you're called to train for the ministry, 
um, or, or you just want to learn more about, about the ministry, we encourage you to come to Rhema Bible Training College, rbtc.org. Or if you happen to live in Kenya, it's rbtc. RaymaKenya.com or .org. .org. RaymaKenya.org. Um, or we have campuses all over the world. And so if you're interested in that, um, you know, let us know. But we're going to end this podcast like we end every podcast. At Rama. we're bringing hope, help, and healing to the world. world.